Good morning. Isn't that, isn't that awesome to see the kids are excited to take off to children's church? Isn't that cool? I mean, they're ready to launch. They're waiting for me to say, okay, go. It's, it's so exciting. It's so exciting. Kids are critical. They are not only the future of our church, friends. They are the future of our world. We've got to take care of them. And it's exciting for me, I mean, I'm excited to be here today. You guys excited? Yeah. Jesus is alive. That's a reason to be excited. You know, if you were here last week, you saw that the kids were excited again, but this time to be up here on stage. You know, they're up here, they're, they're singing their little hearts out, and they're waving their palm branches if you were here, you saw my grandson. I mean, he was up there. He was waving that palm branch like crazy. I don't think he did a lot of singing. He left that up to my granddaughter. She was singing like crazy. But he was waving away. And, of course, after the song was over, he didn't want to stop. He wanted to keep going, right? But that's a typical three-year-old. And it's really interesting to watch him as he grows because... Like any typical three-year-old, he really has no fear. You know, when we're playing on the floor, i got to be really careful because he'll just put his head down and run at me full tilt and bam, slam into me with no regard for getting hurt, either himself or me. And as you know, I'm quite delicate, and I can't afford to be hurt at this age. But that's how kids are at that age. They have no fear. Oh, they learn as they get older. And they'll develop fears of different kinds. Some rational, healthy fears, like the fear of getting hurt. But we know that there are some irrational fears that will evolve over the years. See, fears and phobias are quite common in adults. Now, just for fun, let's take a look at a few of them. See if you have any of these. See if you know what they are. I think you all know what the first one is, claustrophobia, right? Fear of like a closed-in space. A lot of people have fear of, claust uh, fear of small closed-in spaces. Here's one that's sort of related, spelunkophobia. Caves, right? Fear of caves. Good. You guys are smart. How about acrophobia? Acrophobia, fear of heights, fear of heights. Very common, very common. Here's one I know everyone knows, arachnophobia, spiders, right? I never understood this one. I mean, a spider is about one millionth your size, right? What is a spider going to do to you? Yeah, I, I, don't, I still don't get it, but it's real. How about ophidiophobia? Fear of snakes. Fear of snakes. Pretty common, right? How about trypanophobia? This is one that may have reared its ugly head lately. Trypanophobia. Fear of injections. So if you suffer from trypanophobia, maybe you didn't get your COVID shot. <laughs> Not judging. That's fine. 
It's up to everyone. How about misophobia? Somebody heard this, said this before. That's the fear of germs and dirt. Misophobia. Agoraphobia. Fear of outside open spaces, crowds. Here's one that I know most people suffer with. Tell me if you know what glossophobia is. Fear of public speaking. Yeah, fear of public speaking. And we're going to land on this one, thanatophobia. Does anybody know what thanatophobia is? It's the fear of death. It's the fear of dying. And that seems like a pretty rational fear, doesn't it? Most people don't want to die. But here's the question. Should we fear death? Should we fear dying? I mean, we, we understand that no one would look forward to any kind of like a protracted illness or, or great suffering at death. But should we fear death? See, the reason that most people fear death is because they suffer from one of the most common phobias known to man, and that is xenophobia. Does anybody know what xenophobia is? It is fear of the unknown. That's exactly right. Humans have this natural fear of what they don't know. So if you don't know what happens to you after you die, that is something to be afraid of. But this morning, we are all going to leave here today with the ability to see our futures. And it's all because of what one man did some 2,000 years ago. That man is Jesus. It's Easter Sunday. Hallelujah! The reason to celebrate. It is the most important day on the Christian calendar because this is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, we've spent quite a bit of time over the last six weeks looking at the significant events in Jesus' life that led us up to this point. But what I want us to understand is this is where it all comes together. This is where it all comes together because his, his baptism and the temptation that he endured in the wilderness, meaningless without the resurrection. The calling of the disciples, and our calling as well for that matter, meaningless without the resurrection. The transfiguration, the triumphal entry, his death on a cross, meaningless without the resurrection. So today, once again, we're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to learn the truth of what happened that day, and we're going to see what lessons we can learn from this most critical event. So our scripture is found in Matthew chapter 28. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28, we're going to live in verses 1 through 10, basically. I'm doing a lot of singing. I'm going to need a lot of this. Now, the context for this passage is actually quite obvious, right? I mean, we learned a lot about it on Friday. We learned that Jesus had endured unthinkable tortures 
He had been scourged. And that in and of itself was enough to kill a man. You know, they ordered 40 lashes minus one. See, 40 lashes would kill a man, but they didn't want to kill him quite yet. They wanted him that close because they had something else in store. So he was scourged. But then he was made to, to, to walk, really actually crawl up this hill, trying to carry part of his cross. And when they got him to the top of the hill, he was nailed to that cross. And it is so hard for us to imagine, friends, but crucifixion is a cruel and extremely painful way to die. But that's how Jesus died. And once the soldiers were convinced that Jesus was dead, his body, as we read in chapter 27, was released to Joseph of Arimathea. And Joseph of Arimathea, he, he took Jesus' body, he wrapped it in a linen shroud, and he laid him in his own tomb, brand new tomb, just hewn out of stone. And then a large stone was rolled and sealed at the entrance to this tomb. Verse 61 of Matthew 27 tells us that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, probably the mother of James and Joseph, they were there. They witnessed it. We also know from earlier readings that, that they witnessed the crucifixion. They witnessed the scourging, the beating, the torture, and the crucifixion of Jesus. And then at the end of chapter 27, we see that the chief priests and the Pharisees, they go to Pilate. And they asked Pilate to send guards over there. Because they were afraid that Jesus' disciples were going to steal his body. And then Matthew writes this at the beginning of chapter 28. It says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. So it's Sunday morning. Back then, the Sabbath was on Saturday. The Sabbath ended at sundown. So very early in the morning, at daybreak, the two Marys, they head for the tomb. And remember, they had witnessed the crucifixion. They had witnessed the burial. Now, they were going to be the first to witness the most spectacular event in human history. But if we think about this, this had to be an incredibly difficult time for them and for the disciples, for that matter, because they never expected, right? We talked about expectations last week. They never expected that their rabbi, that their Messiah was going to be killed and then buried. But there was something else coming that they didn't expect either. See, they were expecting... Jesus to still be in the tomb. But as we'll see in a moment, he wasn't. Matthew goes on in verse 2 and says, There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. So here again in verse 2, we are introduced to a word that we learned last week, and that is the Greek word esais. It's where we get our word seismology, the study of earthquakes. 
Do you remember the other times that we see this word in the Gospels? We see this word as Jesus what? Entered into Jerusalem. He shook up Jerusalem. We also see it just before he died. Now, with this earthquake, an angel appears, rolls back the stone, and sits on it. So this stone that was meant to to keep Jesus in the tomb is now a place of rest for this angel. And all of this, friends, the earthquake, the angel, his, his brilliant appearance, the stone being rolled away, all of this tells us that Jesus is shaking up the world. And he's ushering in a new age. He's ushering in a new covenant. And this isn't just the lady's imagination. This is not just wishful thinking for them. The soldiers were witnesses. They saw this. These brave Roman soldiers, they shook with fear. And they couldn't move. And the angel has a message for these ladies. And there is so much that we can learn from this message. There's some things, some truths that I want to pull out of this message here this morning. In verse 5, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. So the first thing that we notice, the first truth that we want to pull out of this, is that the angel says, Do not be afraid. And when you think about it, it is the message that angels bring pretty much every time we read about them in the New Testament. When the angel came to Mary with a message that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, the angel said, do not be afraid. When the angel told Joseph that she's pregnant, the angel said, do not be afraid. When the angel appeared to the shepherds, freaked them out in the fields, they said, do not be afraid. And in how many instances, friends, have we seen Jesus himself tell his disciples, and of course, tell us as well, because Jesus is speaking to us through the scriptures as well, do not be afraid. Now this angel tells these ladies, these ladies whose, whose, whose world has been turned upside down, these ladies who've lost all hope, the angel says, do not be afraid. And friends, this is the message that God brings to us today. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You whose, whose world has been turned upside down, to you who've lost a job or a house or a spouse, to you who's struggling, he's saying, do not be afraid. Friends, we do not have to suffer from thanatophobia. We don't have to fear death. Why? Why? Why should we not be afraid? Well, the second truth is born out of the first. The angel said, do not be afraid. Why? The first half of verse 6 explains it. The angel said, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. Don't be afraid because Jesus has risen from the dead. 
He's no longer in the tomb. Jesus is alive. Amen. Just like he said he would be. If you recall, he told his disciples three times, right? He said that he must suffer. He said that he must die. But he said that he must be raised on the third day. And remember, everything to this point in Jesus' life and ministry is meaningless without the resurrection. Yes, Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. Yes, he came to fulfill all righteousness. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. He came to give his life as a ransom for many and to pay the price for our sins. And all of that is true, friends. All of that is true. Jesus did pay the penalty for our sins. The cross, the cross was the payment. The resurrection. The resurrection was God's way of declaring that the payment was accepted. Tetelestai, paid in full. And friends, this is where we get our hope. This is where we find our hope in this world and for all eternity. You know, Paul teaches extensively about this in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 6, he says this. He says, don't you, and he's, he's talking to you, he's talking to me. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Friends, we participate in the baptism and death of Jesus. And by that, we die to our old selves. We are raised then to live, as Paul says, a new life. And that is our hope in this world. We can live a new life. We don't have to be afraid. But you know, Paul goes on to explain our hope for eternity in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says there, Listen, I tell you, again, he's speaking to us, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. In other words, we will not all die, but we will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? We don't have to fear death. Because we know what happens. We know that our future is secure in Christ Jesus. We know that our future is secure in the resurrection. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, and the fact that he's still alive, 
Because of that, we know that we too will be raised from the dead and we will spend eternity in heaven with our Creator and our Savior. And at the end of verse 6 of Matthew 28, <clears throat> the angel offers a third truth. And this third truth really comes in the form of proof. Proof that Jesus has risen. He says, come and see the place where he lay. The angel saying, here's the evidence. He's not here. And that's why the stone was rolled away. You guys know that, right? The stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. No, no, Jesus was already out. The stone was rolled away that we might see in and see that he is not there. The linen that Joseph wrapped Jesus in, that was still there. But his body? Gone. Gone. Now, there are some who have said that it was the disciples that stole his body. But how? I mean, let's be honest. The tomb was steel, sealed with the stone uh, they had uh, guards, Roman soldiers guarding it. Besides, stop and think about it for a minute. Would the disciples have been as passionate as they were, and they were passionate, and would they have been willing to die, and they did die for the sake of the gospel, would they have been willing to do that for a lie that they perpetrated? No. No way. And then to those who say that, well, you know, Jesus, he didn't really die on the cross. You know, he merely swooned, you know, the swoon theory. And then, and then he came to in the tomb. Nonsense. Nonsense, friends. Medical experts have looked at the evidence and have concluded that there is no way, no way that anyone could have survived what was done to Jesus. And remember, remember, these Roman soldiers, they're professional killers. This is their job. It's their job to know when someone's dead. Now, see, friends, the fact of the resurrection was clear. The tomb was empty. Now, the last truth that we get from the angel's message is found in verse 7, where the angel says, Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. The message is really simple. Go and tell. Go and tell. See, once we know the truth about Jesus, we can't keep it in. We have to go out and share what we know to be true, what we know to be true, so that others will know, so that others will have this hope. 
You know, verse 8 says that the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. They ran to tell others of what they had seen and what they'd heard. They were afraid, yeah, of course. But their joy, their joy overcame their fear. And friends, we have joy. We have joy in Jesus Christ. And that should overcome any of our fears. Any of our fears. And verse 9 says, Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, they clasped his feet, and they worshipped him. So these, these women, they, they don't question this command from the angel, right? They don't question. They go. They go. And then on the way, they meet the risen Jesus. And this just, this just adds to the truth of the resurrection, friends. When you think about it, if in fact Jesus had somehow escaped from the tomb, he hadn't really died, the Jesus that these women see he would have looked exactly like he had looked the last time they saw him. And the last time they saw him, he was, he was bloodied and his, and his flesh was torn apart. He was, he was beaten beyond recognition. But see, Jesus was in his resurrected body. He was healed. He was whole. And the women recognize him and they worship him. And friends, this is the truth that awaits those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This is exactly what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. See, we, we will be resurrected just as Jesus was. We will have resurrected bodies. And those bodies will be free from injury, free from sickness, free from death, free from sin. And we will enjoy that in fellowship with the one who made it all possible. It is the resurrection of Jesus, friends, that gives us really what Jesus does is he reiterates the angel's message, right? He says, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Do not be afraid. Go and tell. Oh, friends, that we would heed the words of Jesus. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of the future. Go and tell others the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why the church exists, right? to tell the truth about Jesus, to tell the world that there is hope. There's hope because of Jesus, because of what he's done for us, because of the resurrection. We don't have to live in fear. Because we know what waits for us. No phobias. No xenophobia, no fear of the unknown, because we know the truth about Jesus. No thanatophobia. We don't fear death, because we know that we too will be resurrected. And because of that, friends, 
we can live in peace. We can live in peace. We have nothing to fear. Maybe spiders. Still don't get that one. But we don't have to fear anything. And friends, if you want peace, if you want that kind of peace in your life, and if, 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 if you're tired of living in fear, give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. He's waiting. He's waiting. He loves you, and he wants to be your peace. He wants to give you his peace. He wants to be your hope. And if you have given your life to Jesus, what did we learn a couple weeks ago? Listen to him. Listen to him. Do not be afraid. But go and tell the world about this amazing person, Jesus.